that in a second. Leafs practice going down right now. As per Jonas Siegel, who is at the Ford Performance Center, Ford Performance Center, Austin Matthews is not practicing today. Engvall is skating with Bunding and Nylander uh, after the off day yesterday. And with that, let's bring in our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. Dregs, how's it going this Tuesday? Yeah, it's going okay. Yeah, there's lots kind of going on, right? Um, and I know we're going to get into the injuries here, uh, and I, I wish I had specific information. I just I don't, but I I do feel like this kind of feeds off of what Sheldon Keefe said the other night. And we did the Sunday game, obviously, uh, against Philadelphia, and there were lineup changes there with T.J. Brody out. Uh, and uh, um, Wayne Simmons came into that game as well, and, and Keefe acknowledged prior to that he may have to make some lineup adjustments because guys were, were dinged up and, and playing with some nagging stuff. So I, I, I feel like without knowing, um, and, you know, we're working on it here to find out, you know, what's going on with Austin especially, uh, that that could be part of it. You know, when you get to the midpoint of the season, players are playing with something. Pretty much every player, yeah. you know, has a, has a muscle pull or has something going on. Um, and not that we get into the early stages of load management, but that's kind of what's what's going on here. So even though they're coming off a day off, you know, if you can give a player a morning off or that player just needs a little bit extra time to, to get right, then we're at a point in the season where that's what you do. Yeah, and I think with Austin Matthews, I guess if we if we start there, it is a little odd, though, for him to be getting a maintenance day coming off of an off day. Uh, it's it's not something typically we see, but I guess we're not going to sound alarm bells until we know more information there. Um, no. But when it comes to TJ Brody, and, and I kind of approached this uh, when Julie and I were chatting about this earlier, you know, I, I wonder if when Toronto looks at how this team is played, especially on the blue line, you know, yeah. a, a Nick and a Bruce that maybe in the past TJ Brody and the team would try and play through, because they've played so well defensively, they feel like, yeah. okay, if there's something here, it's better long-term to give them that extra week to try and get healthy, and whereas in the past, it's like, yeah, maybe we could play through it. Do you think that might be a, a situation here where they're – afforded the opportunity to get him some rest without it hurting them so much? I, I think that's exactly what it is, Mike. I, I do. And, you know, this is something new that cropped up with T.J. Brody, uh, described to me as, as minor. But when you've got depth in a position, why wouldn't you use that depth? And, you know, they insert Connor Timmons against Philadelphia Flyers. He scores his first NHL goal, and I thought he, he played pretty well. In fact, I... I think Connor Timmons has been an underrated, vastly underrated ad by Kyle Dubas yeah. and the Maple Leafs. I really do. And, you know, I, not that I'm a fan, but I, I am a fan of the individuals. And I look forward to seeing, you know, how his game, you know, might get better moving forward because it's pretty good right now. He doesn't seem to be lacking in it in, in too many areas. You know, he's got the size. He can skate. Um, clearly, he can shoot the puck. So he generates some offense. Not afraid to jump into the play. So, to feed your point, I think that that's exactly what this is. When you've got good health in a position, and they now do have that, on the blue line, why would you let something that for the moment is relatively minor or nagging with T.J. Brody become something bigger by game 55 or game 60? Try and nip it in the bud, and that's exactly what it looks like the Leafs are doing now. You think there's a scenario here, though, where Connor Timmins could can play himself into more of a regular role here with the Leafs? Like, what, what would he have to do or show the team to, to make that happen? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good question um, because, 
you know, if I revisit what I just said, I, I feel like they think that, that he's solid. Um, you know, are there some trust concerns with a player that has that limited experience, not just in the NHL, but with the Toronto Maple Leafs? Maybe. But I think it also depends on, on who you're playing. Um, did they make that decision, you know, if they're going up against Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday? Probably, again, just given where you're at in the schedule. So I think he absolutely could play his way into a full-time position. You know, but isn't that good to have that level of internal competition, whether yeah. it's up front or on the back end? you got Jordy Ben sitting back there. Um, I mean, there was a stretch where he played before getting hurt where, you know, he looked like he was basically a lock holding down a spot on that blue line. So, you know, you, you want to be sure that your guys are healthy, number one, and then number two, that you've got the best available lineup out there. That's just flat-out common sense. So if Connor Timmons uh, continues to play the way that he did Sunday and looks like he's going to, to get a, a stretch of games here unless Sheldon opts to, to bring in Ben or somebody else, then he's got to look after that opportunity and prove to the head coach that he deserves to be a full-time add to the blue line. Yeah, it's a good problem to have, especially all yeah. the gripes about the Leafs' blue line over the years. All of a sudden, they have a wealth of defensemen. I noticed that you mentioned on the Leafs' broadcast on Sunday that you think the Leafs' priority is the back end. They should potentially add a Muzzin-type replacement defenseman. Do you still feel that way? I do, and it was it was an answer to a specific quiz question, right, where one of yeah. the options was add toughness on D. Well, I, I define toughness a little bit different, you know, um, you know, you, you, you're not going to add uh, a pugilist back there. That's not the way the game is, is played anymore. So by toughness, I, I mean somebody that's hard to play against, you know, physical presence, um, but somebody who can, can apply the rule of being a shutdown defenseman. Uh, so I do think that that is um, maybe not necessarily an area of need, but more an area of interest for the Maple Leafs. And look, you know, Jake Muzzin, um, has had some tough games with the Leafs, and not just because of injury. You know, he's got a lot of miles on that chassis, but when when he's at his best, um, he just brings a lot. You know, he just calms things down on the ice, on the bench, in the dressing room. He's got that Stanley Cup winning experience, all of those things. Uh, and he can be a, a bigger minute player. So I think, I, I'm pretty sure that a lot of teams would be interested in an ad like that. But I do think that that's an area of interest for the Toronto Maple Leafs moving forward. That's our TSN Hockey Insider, Darren Dreger. And it's officially trade season, Dregs, though the CHL Mm -hmm. trade deadline has been exponentially more entertaining than any NHL deadline that I've ever witnessed. Uh, Wild. I know. It's it's madness. Okay, this is kind of theoretical, and I'll ask you more hard-nosed questions in a moment. What would it take in the NHL uh, for an... Owen Zellweger trade to happen. What would it take? Like, would the salary cap have to be deleted? Would it have to be Connor McDavid on the move yeah. in his prime? Like, what would it take to have that uh, phone book type trade <laughs> that we saw? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's hard to imagine because of the salary cap. You yeah. know? And then even in the offseason, when you have more financial flexibility in the system and you're dealing with 32 teams as opposed to just the buyers or the sellers, and that's normally what you see at the draft or in the off-season. Um, but how do you wait, make you – know, when you're moving Shane Ryder, Zellweger, you know, these top-end players, and, and there were a number of top OHL Western League players, QMJHL players traded to this point. Um, 
I mean, I guess you'd see a return like that, Fetch, but like that Zellweger trade with Hofer, what they get, like four players oh, and insane. 10 draft picks? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was just a ridiculous return. Um, but one thing I've always admired uh, about the CHL, and it's the same thing that people criticize, is, you know, if, if teams believe they're in it, man, they go all in because it's such a cyclical process. Mm-hmm. You know, the CHL is constantly regenerating, right? So, you know, rebuilds don't necessarily have to take three, four, five years in the CHL. You can turn things around pretty quickly. And you can also turn your team into uh, a league, if not a Memorial Cup contender, by adding a couple of pieces. But you look at the OHL, what London did and tried to do. Yeah. Well, Windsor is obviously better with, with Shane Wright. Right. Um, Barry certainly bolstered their lineup. I mean, go down the list. So it's going to be fascinating to see how things play out in the latter stages. But it's near impossible to make that comparison to the NHL just because of the money involved. Yeah. Uh, one name that you didn't mention is Connor Bedard, and we, we may have him on the show tomorrow as a little teaser nice. to drop right now. But yeah. uh, Connor Bedard has been widely noted, does not want to be traded. The Pats don't really want to see him move either. Is that the sense that you're still getting right now? Yeah, that's the sense I'm getting. Um, and there's all sorts of conspiracy theories as to why Ooh. that is. I like it. <laughs> Financial or otherwise, I don't really know. But, I mean, that's what happens when you see uh, you know, a piece as, as – tantalizing as Connor Bedard stay with a team that, you know, isn't going to be as deep as you know, some of the other teams, you know, including Kamloops, obviously, right? So, you know, go through the adjustments made in the Western Hockey League. Uh, but I also get it, you know, you know, Bedard, top players, and people don't necessarily understand this, do have no trade clauses. Um, so no difference in the process that, that kind of held back the, the Shane Wright trade and just and created all sorts of speculation as to where he might go. While at the end of the day, it's primarily up to Shane Wright deciding where he wants to go. And then, you know, it's up to the management of the King Frontenacs to, to, to make it work. Um, so if Bedard doesn't want to leave the Regina Pats, then he's not leaving the Regina Pats. And that's not a terrible thing for the Pats, even though I think that most of us are pretty convinced that Connor Bedard is not playing in the Western Hockey League next year. Yeah. You know, he's going first overall, uh, and he'll be playing in the NHL. That's just flat-out fact. Um, but, you know, there's got to be reasons for it, and, and maybe they are financial. I mean, he has had to have been a windfall for the Regina Pats and to some degree the Western Hockey League, right? Yeah. I mean, every building this guy plays in is pretty much sold out, I would think. So I, I get it, but... You're, you know, when we try and compare, well, well, then why does it work and why does it happen in the OHL and it's not happening here? I mean, at the end of the day, that's up to Connor Bedard and John Paddock and all associated with the Regina Pats. We're chatting with Darren Dreger, TSN Hockey Insider. Uh, in terms of the NHL, though, there, there hasn't been really much move, right? There hasn't been much movement like we're seeing no. in the CHL. I mean, what do you think is maybe the holdup here? Is there a domino that people are still waiting on? What's your read on, on uh, the trade market yeah. right now? Well, you know what? It, it, it's improving. You know, the, the, the conversations are more active now than they were prior to the roster freeze. And, and that's an annual thing. You know, I mean, you know, you're at the midpoint of the regular season now. Uh, other than the bottom third of the NHL standings, you know, we're still trying to figure out, okay, well, who are the true sellers here, right? You know, I mean, you, you look at some of the teams and look at each division and the battles that are happening, you know, game by game here. 
teams still think that they've got a chance. They're still in it, unless it's pretty evident that they're not in it. So a little bit more time, I think, is, is needed. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see a team jump sooner rather than later. Uh, you know, the Edmonton Oilers lose a tough one. They give up, what, the L.A. scored four power play goals. They went four for seven on the power play last night to, to beat the Oilers. And that market continues to scream for defensive help. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about this tonight on Insider Trading on SportsCenter. I think uh, LeBron will have an update on, on what the Oilers might be up to. Uh, I'm looking at Ottawa. Ottawa continues to search for that defenseman. So then you look at some of the defensemen who are available. You know, it always seems to start with Jake Trickren and the Arizona Coyotes. Something shifting, changing there. What about Eric Carlson and the San Jose Sharks? What about Matt Dumba and the Minnesota Wild? He's depending on restricted free agents. So I, I think that there's a lot of talk, um, maybe stronger appetite for talk to turn into action, but nothing that we could uh, report as being even close to imminent at this stage. It often feels like at, at deadlines and free agency, there's always one domino that needs to fall before deals really start rolling yeah. and happening. What do you think that domino is this year? Well, look, uh, I have no skin in this game, but I hope it's Jake Chicken. Yeah. Um, you know, selfishly, we've been talking about Jake Chicken for two years, you know, and, and a trade that was supposed to happen and things are heating up around Chicken. We know that he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild with the Arizona Coyotes. Um, we know that he's got a sensational contract. We know that there's tons of interest in Jake Checker, and it's just the asking price remains, um, you know, too 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 much of a problem. You know, just too large for teams to embrace at this point. You know, if he were to get traded, or a defenseman with term were to get traded, I think that that might shift things a little bit because you can look at the unrestricted free agent market, and you see some interesting pieces. John Klingberg is out there. I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, potentially Matt Dumber from Minnesota Wild. Edmonton from the Montreal Canadiens still has a bit of term left on his deal. But maybe one of those pieces, one of those defensemen gets traded, and maybe that market opens up a little bit. So, uh, And not just from a buyer perspective either, right? Maybe from a seller point of view as well. You know, if, if Arizona finally decides that they're going to move Jake Chickern and they don't get two first-round picks, but they get something else, Maybe that changes the ask of, of what another team is uh, is putting out there for the player that they're interested in moving as well. Okay, interesting. So you listed off a lot of the big fish, and, and I think we've all kind of identified who the big fish and, and pieces are going to become trade deadline. But I was mentioning to AB that it always seems to be kind of a third-line guy or a third-pairing defenseman that ends up being the really big difference maker in a Stanley Cup playoff series. Have you no. identified any of those depth pieces that have become a little bit attractive to teams coming towards the trade deadline? Mm, not really. Uh you know, I'd look at Vancouver, and, and not that these are, are depth pieces when you look at Brock Besser or Bo Horvat. I mean, right. not. They're, they're top six players. But, you know, those aren't the only two players on the Vancouver Canucks that could be in play here or, or moved. So, I, you know, if you're looking for a forward ad, um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the pieces that are actually in play. Uh, um, you know, Montreal, I would say the same. I mean, again... You know, they, they've got a lot of forwards there. Uh, how intriguing could Yoel Armia be? What about Jonathan Drouin? You know, I mean, he's playing 10 minutes a night. You know, he, he's not generating any offense. You know, has he played his way where to a point where he there isn't interest in him? Or does a team like Colorado 
who uh, starting to hit their stride a little bit more as they get healthier now, right? You know, maybe they take a flyer on on one of those players just because of of what you just said, Julie. The fact that they might be depth add. So it's still a little bit early for that kind of stuff. But you know, if I went team by team, I could probably give you a couple of players from each. I'm curious, Dregs, if you think that this is a year where it, it might be considered a a buyer's market or a seller's market. Uh, I'm curious, just because. You know, you look at the draft this year, and, and from everything I've heard from, whether it's Craig Button or, or reading Bob yeah. McKenzie's or other, you know, great prospect writers, it seems like this is going to be a really good and deep draft. Like, how appetizing would it be to, to, for a lot of these teams to sell off their first-round pick? But if it's a seller's market, I guess yeah. like, there might be a market for that. Like, how do you think that'll shape out? Well, I, you know what? One thing I know, Mike, is that general managers learn lessons. And whether they adhere to the lessons learned or not, it depends on, on how desperate their situation is, how much pressure they're feeling. So I look at, you know, the Benny Sherratt trade to mm-hmm. the Florida Panthers, where Florida gave up a first-round draft pick to the Montreal Canadiens that was left unprotected, an unprotected first-round pick. And if Billy Zito had to do it over again, he would protect that pick, I'm sure, because he didn't expect that that team would struggle as mightily as they have. You know, and then you look at, 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 you know, what Toronto gave up for Nick Foligno. It happens every year where, where teams give up these picks and don't go as deep as they were hoping or an injury occurs or, you know, the player doesn't quite pan out. I mean, it's hard on those guys, especially when they're traded at the deadline, to just go from the team that they've been on, especially if they've been there a long time, to their new team. They're leaving their families behind, and now they're expected to step into the lineup on March 4th and be impactful. Uh, it doesn't happen very often where, especially a rental player, uh, you know, becomes an impact player in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, so I, I think that managers learn from that, but yet every year they seem to do it. I just, I, I think that there's a little bit more apprehension, or at least when I'm talking to general managers, that's what I'm getting, but we're a long way away from March 3rd and the deadline. Well, to shift gears a little bit, Dregs, and, you know, kind of, I guess, can go with what we're saying here, an impact add closer to the deadline. The Oilers, uh, you reported, could be getting Evander Kane pretty soon, possibly returning uh, as early as next week. I mean, how much of a yeah. boost would that give them um, yeah. who are still, you know, fighting to, to hold on to that playoff spot? Oh, I mean, it'll, it, it'll be an enormous boost. Um, you know, you look at the Capitals now getting Backstrom and Tom Wilson back. You know, tell me that that doesn't feel yeah. like two significant transactions for them. You know, the Oilers have played differently since Evander Kane has been on the sidelines. You know, we talked about their need for defense. Well, that, that's been from the start of the year, and I'm sure that, you know, Holland is, is making his calls. Uh, but, you know, they, they don't play with the same level of confidence or swagger without Evander Kane, and it's because... Evander Kane brings a little bit of everything. You need him to play spicy, he can play spicy. You know, he can skate, so there's no problem putting him beside Connor McDavid, and he can generate offense. You know, every once in a while the wires touch with Evander Kane, but he's been a poster boy uh, for good play for the Edmonton Oilers. They knew it was going to be a challenge not having him in, but they're handcuffed from a cap perspective. There wasn't anything Holland could do to replace Evander Kane. So he is going to be a very, very significant add. Um, and you're right, they're looking at, I think, what is it, the 19th is against Tampa Bay and the 21st is against the Vancouver Canucks. 
as potential dates for Kane to return to the Oilers lineup. And that's that's well ahead of, of what it was even a week ago. Talking to those close to Evander Kane a week ago, they thought that, you know, he was probably targeting immediately after the All-Star break in early February. So he's uh, he's ahead of schedule. And I'm sure McDavid and company are counting the minutes oh, to yeah. get him back in their lineup. Yeah, 52 points in 57 regular season games in the Oilers uniform. Had 13 goals in 15 games in the playoffs last year for that team. Uh, yeah, that'd be a massive boost for that club. Uh, appreciate it. As always, Dregs, we'll catch up again next week. All right, guys. Have a great week. You as well.